1: and welcome to Free Practice Fridays with Freya. I actually have no idea when we're releasing this, so welcome to Free Practice Wednesdays, maybe, who knows. Anyway, look, there's only one thing worth discussing when it comes to news at the moment and that is the fact that the best content of 2022 has officially been released. I'm not talking about Pre-Practice Fridays with Freya, although I'm sure many of you think that we might have three weeks to go, but I'm calling it early and I just don't see what can top this. Of course, the content that I'm talking about is VB going, well, full VB. Um, he's no longer an adopted Australian but full citizen. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then do yourself a favour and go over to Vautery's Instagram and maybe get a haircut while you're at it. Get inspired. It is a fantastic, fantastic piece of content which I think brought a smile to everybody's face. And absolutely, VB, welcome to Australia. Very, very good. Now, this week I've gone and tapped another Lakeside Drive listener on the shoulder and she has been gracious enough to spend some time with me talking about what it's like to be a Formula One fan in America, coming from the world where rubbing is racing, aka NASCAR, and look to to her fiancé, Josh, if Tara's got a mullet for your wedding, it wasn't my fault, can blame VB. But take a listen. Tara is one of the wonderful listeners who we actually got to meet when we were in Miami earlier in the year and has now given us even more of her time to talk about all the awesome things when it comes to being a Formula 1 fan, the 2022 season, and what surprised us most and what we're looking forward to in 2023. I'm joined by Tara here, who I have had the absolute privilege of actually meeting face-to-face, which is pretty rare for oh, yes. um, our, us when it comes to engaging with our listeners. which just super awesome. But I'll let you do your own introduction, Tara. Tell us a little bit about who you are
0: <laughs> and why it is that we know who you are. <laughs> so I am Tara, obviously. Um, we kind of got into, when I say we, I say me and my fiance, we got into Formula One at the same time. So it's been a lot of fun. On that side of it to kind of do it as a couple. Um, But my real background is actually in NASCAR. So that's another fun thing is it's kind of been the rules reversed teaching my dad (laughs) Formula One as he's always been the one who's taught me
1: NASCAR. So that's been fun. Amazing. I, I, so I love this story. Um, and I'd love to start there actually in terms of how you got into motorsport, because as you said, it wasn't formula one first for you. So talk to me a little bit about what your experience was watching NASCAR and then yeah, your experience with, with your dad and, and now the roles being reversed and (laughs) educating him on, on formula one.
0: Oh yes. So, I mean, ever since I can really remember, we've grown up around NASCAR. We live in Miami. And so Homestead uh, Speedway is just about 45 minutes from where we are. And every single year, Fridays, we would take the day off, go watch the truck races. It would be my dad, one of his good friends and their kids. And it was just... I just remember running around the Speedway (laughs) like we were little... uh, say banshees, just running around the speedway having the time of our lives. So ultimately that's where it started. So Amazing. it's been, um, I mean, babies since I was a very, very little girl.
1: Lots of strong memories for you then just when it comes to being about motor- being around motorsport and being around the track. Did you find that when other people brought their kids were there, do they tend to bring their sons along? Did people show up with their daughters as
0: well? Did you notice any kind of difference in that experience? interesting to think about it that way. I guess I never really saw it because our friends had girls and boys. So it was just whoever was interested came. But I guess you would ultimately say when you look around the crowd, it's definitely more, I would say like a a male sport, but there's a good amount of women that would go as well. So that was always nice because it didn't seem to be so Male dominant, where it could be, and I would say kid wise too. We all just mm. enjoyed it. Oh, that's
1: awesome! And and like you said, I think in terms of obviously your dad's so passionate about it. Anyone who he can bring along with him, I'm sure he'd absolutely love just to to share that to share that with them. And when did Formula One come into things for you?
0: So we were definitely on the COVID time frame of Formula One, Drive to survive coming into that. Uh, John, who's also a listener. Which we all got to meet together. Yeah. Um, He's the one who got us into it. He knew we were into NASCAR and he's like, You guys got to watch it. Like, you have nothing to do now. Cause I mean, Miami and obviously everywhere, but we completely shut down. So he was like, Watch it. We binge watched it right before the season started for 2020. And then we haven't looked back from there. (laughs) We're involved in everything.
1: (laughs) How fantastic. And, Did you, do you notice that happening a lot around you in terms of, I suppose, growing support for formula one in the U S because I suppose similar to Australia, it's less of a mainstream
0: sport to support. Is that changing? 100%. It's funny because I look at like when we got into formula one and I felt like out of our friends and even like people I went to school with, obviously social media, you could see it like the presence there. It was still very quiet. And there was like a few people that would comment, like if I posted something, but now when I see everyone else's posts, everyone went to the Miami Grand Prix, like it was just, it's completely blown up. It's so different than from where it was, even at the beginning of COVID. I think having the race here in Miami totally changed it. Mm. We certainly all saw that. I think just in terms of that
1: Miami crowd, it was, you know, it's such a a new type of supporter, I suppose, and a new kind of celebrities I suppose and things like that you know it's not the traditional A-listers who you might see walking um, a red carpet or something they're they're really new people who we're not we're not familiar with which I think kind of reflects that that growth in terms of who they're really targeting with the sport and interesting I suppose in terms of when you've come into things like you said you're ready and raring to go for that 2020 season did you find yourself kind of looking back as well, you know, as you're coming into the sport at this point in time, did you want to go and learn about center and and Prost and that type of thing? Or was it very much a kind of, you know, we hit the ground from here. What was your general approach to, to learning more about the sport that you're now so passionate about?
0: I think in the beginning it was like, I guess, cause it all happened so fast. Like when we watched it, cause we were going into, he's like, you got to watch it bef- right before the season. Like Cause the season was just about to start. And so it was like, we were mainly focused on what was in front of us, but as we watched it more and not only like just drive to drive, just racing it, like formula one in general, you find yourself going backwards now because you, as you listen to it more, when you're listening to the commentators and the broadcasters talking about it, it's like, Oh, now I want to know this side of it and know this side. Which is one thing that I like about this podcast is that you get a little bit of you know you guys go backwards a little, but you're still looking forwards. You get a nice feel for everything.
1: Yes, like you said, I think as you kind of because I'm I'm not dissimilar in a lot of ways. Like I I haven't been watching Formula One since I was a kid, which I know lots of people, including out many of our listeners, have. But it's almost the more you. The learn you learn from a historical perspective, the more you're actually able to get out of the current series as well. Is that your experience? Yeah, I would say so. Yes.
0: And do you still watch NASCAR, given that that's where it all started? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, we do. Um, not, I would say we watch more Formula One. We watch every race when it comes to Formula One. NASCAR, it goes in and out, but there's definitely certain tracks that you want to watch the road courses are always so much fun um there was one day in the discord that i was talking about it and it was probably one of the more wild races and (laughs) because it gets interesting too it's not it's not all you know just going around in circles there's a lot of as much as people are like oh nascar is not really racing i'm like no but it is there's still a lot going on
1: there it's definitely still racing. Like you said, there is plenty going on. I think we just need to we need to become more educated in it to be able to to talk about it um, in, in more depth and, and really understand it, much like we would say about, about Formula One um, to people who who don't watch it and they would just say, Oh, isn't it just fast cars going round a circuit lots of times? And as as we all know, there's so much, so much more to it. What is it that keeps you hooked exactly. now? So you, now that you're a bit more familiar with, I suppose the stories and the support, the sport and that type of thing. You said you watch every race, you know, you don't, don't miss a, a formula one race. What is it about the sport that, that you love that really just keeps you watching, keeps you hooked?
0: You know, I was thinking about this because when I look at NASCAR and I look at formula one, I feel like formula ones did a really good job. Obviously drive to survive has really helped that create a storyline too. And you get to know you've been able to, I I guess you would say, I mean, I know we're all not Sky fans, but (laughs) they allow you to get inside. (laughs) Mm. They allow you to see inside. And I think that that's one thing that stood out as the difference between the two and kind of what's captivated you. But just in general, I think I'm just a sport. Like I love sports in general, not just NASCAR or Formula One. I mean, I'm into football, all of it. I'll watch it all. But I like that you get the relationship to it, which I think is probably what's kept the most. I would say. Well, it's something that's really changed
1: as well, which we, we talk about a little bit on on this podcast in so far as there didn't used to be the accessibility that there is now when it comes to not just the drivers but the other people who are involved with Formula One and Drive to Survive has obviously been a big part of that but also through all of the other amazing content creators who are out there kind of showing different perspectives and through all the different kind of, you know, whether it's social media or or other kind of content ways ways of engaging with content through podcasts and the like, um, you know, it is much more of a, um, there's much more to learn now. There's so much more accessibility, which, yeah, like you said, as you get drawn in, you, you just want to learn more. What are some of the other ways that you... Yeah. I want to know it all. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I feel the same way. I feel the same way. What are some of the other ways that you go and attempt to know it all? Um, you know, there are other different types of media or content that you engage with for formula one in particular.
0: I would say I ultimately, it's probably more like the social media aspect. Um, I mean, we all know one, our algorithms, if you go on my Instagram, it is all formula one. Like I laugh because all of my girlfriends, like it's the beauty stuff and it's like oh no it's all formula 1 stuff it is and then like right now nascar just had their like end of the year party thing and so it's also all nascar on top of it so i would say mostly that i've tried other podcasts and i've you know stuck to some of them for a while but they just don't captivate me the way that you guys do honestly i feel like for me you guys mix facts and put comedy together which are comedy is another like favorite thing of mine and I think that for me it's it's what does it
1: I promise to anybody who is listening that I didn't ask Tara to say that (laughs) that is in her own words you did Um, not it's, <laughs> I did not exactly but it's always awesome to us for us to to learn about what it is that you know obviously um makes you want to listen to the podcast and we we can try and do more of that um when it comes to <laughs> the comedy side in particular but we'll try not not we try not to try too hard uh but but it's always good to know what it is about what we're producing because like i said there are so many different ways that you can engage um with the sport with content and that type of thing and and people come to Different platforms for, for different reasons. So it's always awesome to understand that. Now, talking about NASCAR, talking about the US, that very naturally leads us to our favorite um driver. Although we probably shouldn't say driver now anymore, we'll go with reserve driver or number three driver, depending on which source you're reading, which is Daniel Ricardo. Yes. So you're a Ricardo fan and I'm really intrigued as to how that happened. What is it about him that made you say, I'm going to support this guy?
0: So obviously it goes back to drive to survive. It's where you got like your first kind of, you know, where you're learning all the drivers. But for me, I just, I call him Daniel at this point. Like, <laughs> I just feel like he's a, such a genuine person. I like genuine people and he doesn't seem like he's trying too hard. He's just himself. And I personally really enjoy that. And so different to everybody
1: else on the grid as well. I think just adds a unique flavor, I suppose, or kind of personality to throw into the mix of lots of personalities, which are, I wouldn't say similar necessarily,
0: but perhaps make
1: his stand out a bit more. I'm trying to be very diplomatic here.
0: (laughs) No, I, I hear you. I also, and like something that I've noticed is that when Daniel's around any other driver, he brings out the best personalities in every driver. And I think that says a lot about him as a person and who he really is. Only and I because I think that ultimately we get the real Daniel, probably 95% of the time. I'm sure that there's obviously hard times and times that you're just kind of putting the face on. And but he's also very open about that. I've listened to a lot of podcasts he's been on, you know, as well. And you know, some days are harder than others, but he's real. He keeps it real. And I think that that's, uh, very
1: admirable. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Now that's going to make next year challenging, uh, when we, we don't have him on the grid, which obviously is, has been a very uh, difficult news for us all to to stomach. I think we're still in denial. Perhaps as we come into next season, we'll be perhaps closer towards that acceptance mode. But let's be clear, I think I'll still be in denial. Um, but is there someone who you're going to get behind in his, his absence? Are you going to be a Red Bull fan all of a sudden?
0: Oh, it gets funnier because my other favourite driver would be Checo. So <laughs> fighting for that uh, second seat... uh, is always interesting, but we are like, also as much as I love Daniel, I love Checo. I think that I, and for him, he's a little bit more on like the timid, shy side, not as, you know, so outgoing, but I don't know. He's just somebody that my fiance is also a very like big Checo fan. But then now being we've been to Austin twice and we've been to Miami and also the Mexican fans are the nicest fans. You, in my opinion, you probably meet. So it just kind of adds to it too. Like you want to root for him. Like the Mexican Grand Prix, I really wanted him to win, but obviously it didn't work <laughs> we out. We but- Oh, we all did, Tara. He, I know. He. <laughs> I think this year... We're trying to go to Mexico for the GP, um, ultimately, because if Checo doesn't get a seat, we want to go when he's racing, because I can only imagine that that whole area is just absolutely crazy. I'm sure it will. I'm
1: absolutely sure it will be. And- it, yeah, your life is about to get very interesting when it comes to <laughs> conflicts of, of interest and and who you want to see in that second seat. So, but who knows, maybe there'll be another opportunity where either, I don't know, Checo could step into a different car or who knows, as we know, F1 is very good at throwing curveballs at us that we never saw coming. So yeah. there's always hope for something mm-hmm. unexpected. Um, talking about... <laughs> tracks. And so you want to go to Mexico. That's awesome. And while Checo's racing, that's a great thing to tick off your list, I think. But is there another track that you would be desperate to go to if you could? You've already been to Texas. You've already been to Miami. Where else is on the list? Um,
0: Well, for uh, my fiance and I are getting married. And so ultimately Mexico's kind of thrown a loop into our plans here because we've wanted to originally go to Italy and do Monza <laughs> for our honeymoon and back in a trip together.
1: Oh my goodness. So we amazing. might put that one on
0: hold and then do that. So that would probably be the next one. But then going like to Austria also, I mean ultimately we would love to go to all of them if we can.
1: Wouldn't we all do you know what I think we're bucket we, list? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny though. I think it's um it's such a juxtaposition, I suppose, between you know, the people who are working for formula one, who are at you know, every race, every second race at the very least, or they might be a kind of 70% of them, as we heard when it comes to how some of our teams, some of the teams organize their work and the roles and people who are doing them. And then you've got who, who would, I'm sure love to have a break in terms of saying, oh, do I need to be at every single race? Whereas you've got the fans out there going, I'll come to all of them.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. It's, it's always interesting. There's definitely two sides to everything.
1: Yes, it's very, very true. So thinking towards next year, you've got some very exciting personal plans um, when it comes to, to getting married. And it sounds like you might have to factor in the Formula One calendar with other plans that you have coming up as well. But looking forward, what is it that you would hope to see come out of next season? So thinking along the lines of who would you like to see up there in those kind of really competitive cars when it comes to, or comes to the Drivers' Championships um, or teams that start to really step forward? What would be some of the, your hopes and dreams for the 2023 season?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I would say now, obviously, being an American and having an American on the grid, you want to see Williams do well, kind of see them project for a little bit better than they did, you know, this year. I like just a competitive sport. Like I felt like this year, we all know it kind of started competitive and then it just kind of inched its way a little too far. And it was just kind of like, ah, I just like the competition. I like, I will say NASCAR has done a really good job changing their car. So I think this year was the first year that they've had. It was something like, I want to say it was like 18 different winners, which is unheard of. It, that was never really a thing. And so it's fun to get the mix-ups and to see that side of it all. Obviously, I know it's a little different in Formula One, but I would like a little bit more of a competitive season for everyone. I think it just makes it more interesting. It definitely does. It's very
1: true. And I think, like you said, it's, it's funny how much, you know, when Mercedes, for example, was so dominant for so long and everyone got very tired of that, but when they were suddenly potential underdogs This season, everyone started to hope for their success. You know, it's that feeling of it's not so fun for us as spectators when you're watching a a team or a driver just run away with a championship, Um, or even to have you know which of these two drivers are going to win this weekend. Throwing that jeopardy in is much more exciting for us.
0: (laughs) I I look back at in 2020 when Checo. It was It was when he won. It was when he won in 2020. It was towards the end. It was actually the race that George went in for Hamilton because uh, he yes. got COVID. And so in the beginning of the race, I think it was Max and LeClaire that ended up going out. So that kind of put them out. Cheka went dead last, coming back up, which ultimately obviously gave him the seat for Red Bull moving forward. But a race like that, getting, throwing it in there and just kind of mixing everything up. I would love it for every race. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you think about it when, you know, <laughs> we
1: had like KMAG on pole, for example, this year, it was just wild. And you love seeing everybody else's reactions. So the other driver's reactions to his ability to do that, for his mm-hmm. success that weekend, they're so happy for him. And Obviously, you know, it creates amazing content for us when it comes to social media and and people's excitement around it. But like you said, it's good for everybody. It's good for the drivers because they every win means more. And you can hear it sometimes in um like Max's celebrations now, for example. They're nothing like you hear from, from other drivers when they're either a long shot at a win or it's their first one or whatever it might be. It's kind of like, Oh yeah, good. Good work. Good work guys. Another one in the bag.
0: I absolutely agree with you. It drives me wild. Like I, <laughs> cause it's exciting to win. Like you always want to be like, if you always want to win, then you should always be excited in my eyes. And so to get that reaction sometimes, and Lewis was doing it too on, you know, in previous years. And it was just like, when you get that other person, like you even said with K mag, having him even just on pole, he knew he probably wouldn't be winning the race, but the excitement around it all. And it, I like to see the underdog way more than to have the just same people winning. And then again, going back to just not getting the excitement of it. It's like, it takes away from it a little bit for me.
1: Yeah, I understand what you mean and it's interesting as well when you hear certain um, interviews I suppose with certain drivers as well and I'm actually thinking of Latifi more than anything, um, the interview that he did this year uh, with Tom Clarkson and he was, you could hear how much he appreciated the position that he was in I suppose and this is someone who obviously has not had a what you'd, what could, what anyone could objectively classify as a successful Formula One career. However, he's obviously been a successful driver in that he's made it to Formula One, which most won't. Um, but there is no sense of um, entitlement, I suppose, there. And it's easy for us to forget that he's he is a pay driver, was a pay driver and that type of thing. But it's that appreciation for the opportunity, I think, and just respect for the position that you're in, the, knowing that you're living out the dream of so many. Um, so I think when it starts to sound as though it's like, oh, yep, another rung on the board, or it's a bit kind of business as usual. You feel a sense of wanting them to appreciate it more, I suppose. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes.
0: It No, it does. But then as you were talking to, I was trying to like, I was thinking about it a little bit. And I also think too, in certain situations, maybe not so much for like a win, I feel like social media has hurt a little bit drivers where they're so careful with what they say and what they do and every other action that they, you know, they're trying to just make sure that they're not making the controversy, which for some people can be rubbed the wrong way as well. Like it's this fine line of trying to find it. And it's like, I go back to like, I think DR has found it. I think that he is, you know, he's just some true self where I see I won't name names, but I think that there's a couple (laughs) people that are just very politic very politically correct sometimes. And it's like, give me a little bit more. Like you don't have but I get why they are at the same Mm. time. Yeah. It's like that catch twenty two type thing. Yeah,
1: totally. And look, you've got to feel for anyone who's in the limelight, I think, in, in that way. Like it's – and everything can so easily be taken out of context as well and you have such different ways of producing content now. I think what is good is that we often now get a bit more context than we than we used to because we were so reliant on written journalism, written reports, that type of thing where you lose all of that. Now we tend to get a little bit more because we tend to digest more via videos and, and that type of thing, whether it's on on YouTube TikTok, Instagram, whatever. But even then, you know, little sound bites get taken out and, you know, blasted as kind of clickbait head that kind of headlines. So, like you said, completely understand the line that they're trying to kind of walk, which is not an easy one at all, not trying to cause controversy, but then still giving enough of themselves.
0: Exactly. It's hard. It's you're never going to, I feel like they're never going to please anyone the way that, you know, just in general, you can never make everybody happy. So obviously there's always going to be that side of it.
1: Now, Tara, like many of our listeners loves sport from all over the world. I know that I, for one share that passion with her. And for me, well, if I'm going to watch the Melbourne Demons lose in the finals, then I'm going to need the help of VPN for that. And with NordVPN, it is risk-free. So using our link, you have a 30-day money-back guarantee as well as your two years at a discounted rate and, of course, the four months free too. So just go to nordvpn.com forward slash drive. You can watch all of your favourite drivers and teams lose wherever they are. Oh, it's been a tough year. But at least I got to watch it all happen. So go and check out NordVPN and get started today. So thinking about underdogs, and we talked about how we would love to see a generally perhaps more of a mixed results for, for next year and we want to see some of those um, you know traditional backmarkers perhaps make a bit more progress next year. But thinking about the season that's been as well, was there anyone who – surprised you in 2022? And that could be people or teams. Um, was there anything that stood out to you? something you didn't see
0: coming. Well, I didn't think McLaren would be as bad as they were. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start there. And then you're going to love my next one. Uh, Valtteri's, um, oh my gosh, what do we call this now? What I just forgot, and They're so big here. His, uh, <laughs> Why can't I think of what it's called? Mullet is the um, word that we would use in Australia. His, new, his mullet. Thank you. Yeah. I was No, it's a mullet here. It's such a big thing here too. And so when I saw it, I was laughing because all of the Aussies were loving it. And I was like, oh, the Americans are going to love this just yeah. as much. <laughs> So his haircut surprised me, wasn't ready for it, but it's perfect.
1: Oh goodness. It's so great. They, those, well, I mean, yeah, what to, what an amazing two surprises, some good, some not so good
0: though. <laughs> and depending on who you yes. are, the haircut's
1: not so yes. good either. <laughs>
0: You're tr- that's very true. Some people are going to say that I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably don't like it, but we all love it. So that's what matters. It's the content we did not know we needed. <laughs> exactly. 100%. I actually am very surprised that they're putting Ocon and Gastly together. I don't know if that's the best, the best, yeah. uh, mixture. That was probably a big surprise for me, even though we knew it was coming like, as it got out, but I thought, I think it's a very big move. We'll see what happens. It's bold. I mean, we will see what happens.
1: What do you think is, who's going to, okay, here's a here's question. Who do you think is going to believe that they are the number one driver in that team.
0: They're both going to think it 100%. And Gazzy's probably going to think it more because they brought him in. And I'm sure they sold that to him because he w- he's not going to be a number two driver. He's not leaving to go be a number two because he was already the number one at Alphatari. So ultimately, I guess you would say probably more him than anything. But Ocon is just right up there with him. He always thinks he's the number one driver. <laughs> He just, did you see his comment that he recently just, he just recently made a comment about how much work he was doing over Alonzo and we're like, I mean, Alonzo is Alonzo. He's ultimately done the work. He's just been doing it over decades and
1: decades. That's all. Um And I think what's, yeah, what's funny with that, like you said, exactly. he still thinks... He's number one despite being up against um, a multiple world champion, so that will be interesting. But you heard it here first, Campy. It's going to be the world-class driver um, of Gasly. He's going to be the number one driver at Alpine next year. No, it will be an interesting one to see how that <laughs> dynamic plays out. He's going to have to get himself out of all the chewing gum stickiness at the bottom of the bin there in order to to get that number one driver, I suppose, priority where those situations do arise and there has to be a decision made perhaps when it comes to strategy whatever it might be next year but it will be very very interesting because I am kind of thinking out loud here now but I'm not sure that we will have quite as even a pairing in in any other teams in a lot of ways that are maybe maybe ferrari with with carlos and and leclerc but obviously they're they're both kind of on a on a much higher level potentially with much better machinery though we never know what's going to happen next year but mm-hmm. you know th- we've got other teams where you have such a distinct kind of preference, I suppose. Um, and that will be very interesting to see. So like you said, Gasly's gonna feel like he's number one because he's been brought in, but then you've got Ocon who he will say, Well I've I've been here for longer and I I know how this place works and you're on my turf now. So it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out. I think they will probably say all the right things at least for the first half of the season um, because it will be in both of their best interests when it comes to having a drive in 2024 um, to make sure that they are mm-hmm. seen as, as team players and that type of thing. But that is a pairing where I wonder if if what we see is what will actually be going on behind the scenes or if they're just doing a really good job to maintain the, the teamwork Um, and be able to exclaim that as loudly as they do over in Red Bull in, in Alpine as well.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It will be, I feel like you'll really be able to tell when they start doing content, content stuff. You can always kind of get the vibe if it's really there or not. Like for instance, I think when, when it was DR and Lando in the beginning, you could tell that there was a, uh, not so much that they didn't like each other, because I don't think that was the case. It was I think it was ultimately Lando who was having a hard time understanding Dr. and his kind of the way that he jokes around. But then turned to you know the end of the season, and even I would even say most of this season, they were like the best of buds.
1: Yes, and I think it will be interesting, like you said, they actually have to get to know each other in that context, because a lot of these drivers will have either been through karting together and competed each other with each other when they're kind of, you know, 12 or 13. But now as much as I wouldn't say that they're (laughs) adults in all, in all circumstances, but you know, you have to let each other grow up as well and learn that person in this new context, because it is very, very different. Um, when it comes to that kind of very junior series, there's not as much kind of at stake and, and very different team, different expectations, different accountabilities. Um, and some of that, Obviously, comes from a marketing perspective too, in terms of having to work together to to produce um, content for for team fans in particular. But it's got something that something is I think as spectators as well. We have to we have to let evolve. Too, if that makes sense, in that we it's very easy once you've formed an opinion mm-hmm. of someone. And I think about, you know, Sebastian is actually a great example of this in being the most hated man in Australia for a while there, but now someone who we we quite adore because we've let him grow up, we've let him mature. And now it helps that he's no longer crashing into Australians on quite as regular a basis. <laughs> um but we've we've let him we've let him change over time. You let him grow up, which Exactly. I think
0: these guys will have to do a bit with each other as well. For sure. I think you kind of nailed it there. It's also, I'm going back to like what we were saying in social media in general, everyone is so quick to just be like, oh, look, at they don't get along. And then it creates this whole narrative. And it's like, maybe that's not the narrative. And it's letting things play out, letting it all just kind of let them figure out their pieces and then see how it works out. And we'll know if it works or not moving forward into 2024 or maybe it's just going to be
1: French on French crime and it's just going to be (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be absolute battle between between the teams and there's not going to be any kind of respect or cordiality between between them and we can just watch them take each other out every weekend who knows
0: I was just going to say that will be fun to watch too
1: interesting races (laughs) exactly exactly right so Just a couple more questions, Tara, while we've got you. I would love to get your view. We talked about it a little bit um, before in terms of, um, I suppose, how you've seen the fan base kind of grow around you when it comes to Formula One in the US. But the US has three races next year. Obviously we've got Miami, Texas and Vegas as well. What are your general thoughts, I suppose, in the direction that Formula One is taking thinking about how they're trying to obviously capture that that US market which has not been traditionally where their, their biggest supporters are but also the way in which they're going about it, these kind of spectacle races with the two new additions um, in comparison to others which even, even in Texas you would say feels a little bit more, I don't want to say grassroots but they're for the real fans if that makes sense if I dare to say it. Um, what, what, what is your view on that market and the way they're going about things?
0: So we did go, we went to Austin last year for 2021 and then just my, and that was with John and his girlfriend as well. So we went, you know, there's a couple of us that went, we had the best time. I thought it was, you know, not super packed fast forward to 2022, this year, when just Josh and I went, it was like a whole nother world. The amount of people that were there, Sunday was crazy. Like it was, I kind of looked at Josh at one point, I was like, this doesn't, isn't as enjoyable as I remember it like last year. And I can't, I mean, I'm going to assume that they just sold more tickets. I didn't look into it to see like what the difference was on, on Sundays, but it was just like, a mosh pit everywhere you went. And then even and the, the so the difference between Austin, Austin is hilly, so you get levels. So there's places that you can go and sit and have, you know, for general like admission kind of style. Well, Miami's not like that. Miami was very flat. You were here. It's very flat here. Yeah. Yeah. There's no hills, nothing. And they use the stadium, which I thought would have been a really good option for them to then be able to get a lot of cool like vantage points, but they put up so many tents that covered it all so you couldn't even see it if you were in general mission. We had seats in Miami we had like we actually had like decent like good we ended up picking like a good area to be in, which is like that red bull section that was towards the back um but anyone else i i can't it was so tight. To me, it wasn't as enjoyable. Um, So I'll be very curious to see how Vegas is. Because once again, you're going to, from Miami to Vegas, glitz and glam. It's so, here, everything is about status. And I don't love that part of it. I feel like they could have gone to, there's plenty of places in the United States that have already tracks that they can kind of configure and make it almost like an Austin, but they haven't done that, which is a little upsetting.
1: Well, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty telling in terms of what they're trying to achieve, um, when it comes to, like you said, make, making it spectacle based. And even for the the Vegas launch, um, I think it was George Russell, we were talking about this perhaps on a recent co- podcast, um, George Russell kind of said, I'm not sure how fun this is going to be to race, but it will be good to watch, um, which to me was interesting. Like they're already calling it now, looking at the layout of the track and everything around it as well. Um, but it, look, do you know what? Us mere immortals will never find out anyway because there's no chance of us being able to get tickets probably to somewhere like like Vegas. I think can't be actually looked into getting just a hotel room that would have a view of the track and it's just impossible. It's just not a thing that you can – it's – Designed for a different audience, let's put it that way. (laughs)
0: 100%. We had like early access tickets. um, And by the time that, and we had like the early, early access tickets, because there was like two different launches. By the time that we could even get in, it was my tickets were showing as 2,500. And I was like, that's ridiculous. And then my next comment was, because I used to work in the hotel industry, I'm very aware with what happens with hotel blocks. I was like there's going to be no way the amount of money that you're going to spend that weekend. No. <laughs> it's not just, it, no. <laughs> which and that's the problem. It takes away no. Yeah. <laughs> it takes away from the sport. It's sad. Yeah.
1: No, I understand. I think we should all just be more like VB. Grow some mullets, get a get a VB and uh and sit in our deck chairs and, and watch from there.
0: <laughs> One of our dreams in Austin is cuz they have the, um, like the RV area, go for the weekend, get an our That's NASCAR style. That's how it normally is in NASCAR. Go hang out in the like little tailgate area for the whole weekend. VB style. VB style.
1: I love it. I love it. And VB
0: style. <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> what a caption for, for this episode. I think we might've just found our, our phrase just there, which is awesome.
0: I have one thing, one thing to say, So everyone talks about Danica and how they love her. So growing up being that we've gone to the races and it was in 2016, it was whoever knows like any NASCAR races. It was Tony Stewart's last race. We had pit passes and everything. So you can go on the like pit lane as they're all getting ready. My sister and I, they're all starting to get into the cars and I was like, all right, I'm going to use the bathroom. We're going to go to our seats and everything. All of a sudden Danica walks in the bathroom, comes in, the nicest lady. Amazing. Ever. And was just like one of the girls in the bathroom. She was, and she's in there washing her hands and all the ladies are like, good luck. She's like, thank you. So it's like, I wanted to tell you guys, cause she is just really like the nicest, most genuine person.
1: Amazing. That is fantastic. What an experience. Yeah. And and also I bet you that she was just smiling even pre-race about to, uh, <laughs> to
0: go out there. So take that campy. Did Didn't look nervous. Yeah. Didn't look nervous. Nothing. She was in there having conversation. I think she told a lady at one point, she's like, oh my gosh, I love your top. (laughs) (laughs) She was just so nice. It was like, but so since you guys have been talking about her recently, I was like, oh, I have to tell you.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's fantastic. I love that story. I'm so glad we caught it as well. That's amazing. And do you (laughs) like, it's really interesting with NASCAR as well because it's so different, like you said, with so many different winners and how they've changed things to make that happen. Like, do you do you follow specific drivers, or what is it like? I suppose how do you approach it as a sport, as a as a fan, or is it just I just want to go and watch people race?
0: No, it definitely um, certain drivers. It's funny because I've kind of like taken like the people that my dad loves, and then yeah. the people that my dad hates. And Josh, my fiance, is some of the people that my dad doesn't like, he likes. And so it's been like a fun, like kind of rivalry in the household of like, you know, who we follow. But, and I was going to kind of say this, but I kind of, we got like off the other way, but it's interesting to see NASCAR has kind of changed and is trying to be more like formula one in like the drama and like getting, Mm like being able to like get the stories out. Because I think they figured out that they want to try to put the correlation and they're, do- they're doing a much better job at it, trying to get there with it all. Mm-hmm. But no, there's definitely um, drivers like my, well, growing up, my dad was a huge Earnhardt fan, which then made him be Earnhardt Jr., but he's no longer there. But Daniel Suarez is another Mexican driver who Josh and I like love to watch and root for. And they started in a new team, him and this other guy, Ross Chastain. And they've done really well. Came in, Pitbull backs the team, which is funny. Another <laughs> like random. Mr. Worldwide
1: yeah. getting into NASCAR, supporting that. Mr. That's Worldwide.
0: <laughs> yep. He's done. I think he did. I think it was last year that he came out and performed. And then I think he did like the driver start your engine in the at the first race.
1: How good. Oh, that, I'm going to have to go and look that up that yeah, be amazing, yeah. amazing content. I love a bit of uh love a bit of pit bull, I'm not gonna lie.
0: <laughs> oh no, I do too. I like c- coming from Miami, like old school pit bull is like the pit bull that I love, but his stuff now, like is like kind of more dancey, is also just as good.
1: Oh, uh, it's good fun, but I'm I'm with you. I like gosh, if I reckon if you look back in my some of my older playlists, <laughs> it's a real feature. I don't know who <laughs> I thought I was at that point in time. Neither did anybody else. So like
0: why oh. is
1: like seventeen year old in Tasmania listening to to Pitbull? But I, I don't know whatever it's I
0: loved it. No, I hear you. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I listen to this <laughs> like not only Pitbull, just other things sometimes too. I'm like probably shouldn't have
1: been listening. Oh goodness, and singing along as well as some underage, which would have been wildly oh, appropriate. Yeah. And the best part as well is that even now. I will sing all of their stuff like in the car or whatever else, even when they s- switch into like Spanish or whatever. And my fiance Dan will kind of look yep. at me and go, you realize that you don't speak Spanish, right?
0: <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> Josh does the same thing to me. I'll go like full rap and he's like, who are you? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so fantastic. Well, who are we? Who knows? It's like great. just eclectic. Whatever, you know, exactly. We're a good time. That's a fantastic answer. We are a good time. (laughs) We're VB. We're just VB. in our in our hearts. We're not. Gutsy enough to cut our heads oh, into yeah. mullets, but we will just support him in every
0: other way. <laughs> Maybe exactly. you should do that, Tara. I think
1: you should rock a mullet for your wedding.
0: Oh, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Can you imagine what Josh would say? I would I would die. Oh, my gosh. No. He would be like, I don't know if I can do this.
1: <laughs> I'm questioning everything I know about you. You're not the person who I met. Exactly. He's like,
0: are you going through your midlife crisis now?
1: (laughs) What a note to end on. Thank you so much for joining me, Tara. That was really good fun. It was awesome to hear about your perspective on Formula One from, um, I suppose, an American fan base, but also how you've you've got into the sport as well. So thanks so much for spending some time with me and having everyone get to know you a bit.
0: Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Podcast Network.